You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Teen Wolf After Show. <laughs> Hello, AfterBuzzers. Bing is for doing, and we're here doing another AfterBuzz TV after show for MTV's Teen Wolf, Season 3, Episode 5, Frayed. I'm your host, Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and sitting next to me this evening, Sarah Stratton, another AfterBuzz TV host. Hi, and everybody. across the table, we our first special guest this evening has played guitar for and toured with artists such as Destiny's Child, Josh Groban, The Calling. He's scored commercials for Toyota and Samsung. He was the music producer on MTV's Taking the Stage and now composer for Teen Wolf. Please welcome Dino Menigan. And our next special guest this evening was the music coordinator on The Hills, Runs House, Shark Tale, and 500 Days of Summer, which I loved, music supervisor on The City, Taking the Stage, and the 2012 MTV Movie Awards, and currently the music supervisor on MTV's Teen Wolf. Please welcome Laura Webb. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Yay! Welcome, welcome, guys. <laughs> so happy you guys could join us this evening. The I fans think. have requested your presence. They're downloading <laughs> the soundtrack. They're loving the composing this season. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thanks for having us. Happy Tuesdays. No, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this episode today. I'm so excited you guys are here, especially because over the past couple weeks, the music is always coming up in our conversations mm-hmm. and okay. we were always bringing up and that's such an applause to you guys so thank, well, thank you, you for adding <laughs> thanks wonderful um, sounds so the episode's titled frayed which like the episode the structure it's ripped apart and so that is what uh, the editors told me the episode title meant so thank you Corey and greg the assistant editors and this layer was, uh, the episode was like layered with flashbacks, but I'm going to attempt to talk about it in order because I think if I do it out of order, the viewers won't find it as unique as right. they found it the episode to be. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start talking about the alpha battle because that's o- over the entire episode, we get snapshots of that. So um, let's start with we get the aftermath before we get the battle. But um, Peter and Derek came up with this preemptive plan to make a strike on the Alphas and enlist Scott's help. And um, the default plan Scott's mad about because it's always about killing somebody. And they were saying, Peter said, that the plan this time is just to kill Deucalion and cut off the snake's head. But then they were talking about how when Hercules cut off the head of the Hydro, two more grew back in its place. And there was never supposed to be a battle. They were just supposed to kill Deucalion. That's what this episode was, just supposed to kill Deucalion. I mean, but I loved, that didn't happen. Yeah, I love that happen. analogy, <laughs> just the bringing up the Hydra, um, because to me it was just foreshadowing that as much as you expect one thing to happen, 
you you have to expect the unexpected. Right. Um, and this obviously happens when Scott's plan to, you know, meet and talk it out just falls to pieces. And everyone besides Scott is, like, in the know that they're all going to fight anyways. Um, although we're going out of order, I do have to say that I was so surprised by this, like, the first section of this. I was like... Did I skip an episode? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what's going on? I was so confused. Like, I, for the, yeah, it takes the first a minute three to minutes, get into I it. I almost went back and was like, I need to rewatch last week again because I'm missing something. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be missing something. It's all good. <laughs> I like that aspect know. of the episode. But, but like, it keeps you on your toes. And I think they did a good job, like, you know, slowly leading up and building that mm-hmm. suspense. And especially with, you could tell they were talking about it being a ticking time bomb, so it's obviously something big. And you get these little realizations throughout the episode about what happened or who they think is dead. And then you also get these other realizations that everybody's wrong all the time. (laughs) Lots of layers. But um, (laughs) Isaac won't let Scott eat Mexican alone because Mexican food clearly means party. Right. <laughs> but it appears that this Mexican restaurant has closed since the last time they were there, and they find themselves in an abandoned mall. As right? they do. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone followed Scott to talk to Deucalion. Unfortunately, Deucalion brought his pack with as well, and we get this amazing composing of the battle scene. Can you talk about that for a moment and and what that's like in getting that together? Because we just have no idea how to even Are you begin. talking about the flashback? Back slow mo version. Well, we, or they were the full version. The way we structured the episode, it was in the flashback. So there mm-hmm. was there was a flashback theme that would come back mm-hmm. and that developed every time you saw it. You would hear the same piece of music, but a, a little a larger version of it. Um, so it starts uh, on the bus uh, mm-hmm. in the first flashback, and then every time you have the flashback, you keep hearing it. And at the end of the battle scene. At it's the okay. End of the battle. <laughs> at the end of the battle scene, uh, I think we went back to it again. So that that was. So we, you know, we'll have themes that come back in certain spots in the episode, or even in the series throughout the series arc. Um, and then with that that battle scene, we talked about that a lot. Actually, how to structure that because there's a lot of slow motion and there's a lot of sort of pacing that we worked out uh, between the editor um, uh, Gabe uh, Fleming and myself. Um, uh, in terms of how we didn't want to just go full tilt action through the whole thing. I was going to say, like, when you're picking the music, do they give you the footage that they're going to use? Because obviously that was the slow motion part. Did you know it was going to be slow motion before, or did they, like, apply that later? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we. I'll, I'll usually see uh, you, a lot of times if there's any CG, if there's any computer effects or things, a lot of times that won't be in when I'm working on it. So sometimes if there's... Um, you know, a giant monster, they'll say, okay, it's going to come up here. So I just kind of have to work around that, but I won't actually see it. <laughs> wow. Um, but things like slow motion and stuff, that, that'll that always, that'll usually that, be in you know. there. Okay, yeah. I'm sure that helps. You're not like, action, high-paced music. Yeah. Oh, and there's the slow-mo. This doesn't match. Yeah, we yeah. have, like, we, we both have, like, spotting sessions. So we'll sit with the editor. Sometimes producers are in the room, mm-hmm. and we'll go through and kind of, like, I mean, for me probably me more than you I read the script and break it down and I kind of have like what's in my mind like okay I think a great song here but then it's always like you have your ideas but then you want to sit with the editor and be like 
do you and, and see how it's shot because we're like, oh, there's not enough time for you mm-hmm. know, it might be five seconds. You're like, okay, well, we're not going to put a song there, score or mm-hmm. normal. So it's kind of like we kind of you know, it's a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. So when it when it makes sense to implement a song, you'll find a song. Yeah, and, and when it makes sense to have composition, you will compose for the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there are different rules. For yeah, each and of sometimes those. like maybe will do like it, it sometimes we even switch like sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like oh we picked a song but maybe Jeff's like well I was kind of thinking score here or yeah, sometimes or vice versa like a song won't clear and you'll help me make yeah. something so or some I mean sometimes yeah. we just decide later that like even if I wrote something in a spot you know somebody might Laura might have a great idea for a song and then you know yeah we, we end up replacing it so it obviously has a lot to do with like the feel and the tone of the scene that you guys have to pay attention to. It's yeah, just, music is such a big part of our lives, and it's awesome that you guys have chosen that career to it's go a fun into. Job. <laughs> yeah, but but it just like it evokes so much emotion. So it's really cool. It's such an interesting for me. Music is. I got into like listening to music more movies like as I got older in movie and of TV, and someone once said to me that like good music or good music composition you will get so lost that the music and the acting become simultaneous and you can't distinguish that there even is a score yeah or that's when it's doing going on. a good job you know like because you're it's all melding together yeah you know? it's like mm-hmm. it's it becomes part of it it's like it's not just a good song it is part of the acting it's all mm-hmm. one and yeah i think that that really has come to terms in the show and especially we've been talking a lot about like the build up with the unknown and like the music that's being associated with the things we don't know giving mm-hmm. us clues giving us like something to predict off of just off of a sound that we're mm-hmm. barely hearing so what I want to know is going back to the fight scene where was Peter during all of this like he was there for the whole planning process and then like when it came to battle he wasn't there he's never there Did you <laughs> notice that he's, yeah. Only yeah, he's there too weak you know he's a, he's a slippery one <laughs> He's also yeah. seems to be reverse aging. I just keep like <laughs> <laughs> I like was watching it, and I, I guess like, that's a credit to Ian Bowen's skin. I don't I know. know. <laughs> I think he moisturizes. He's doing something. I like yeah. need to talk to him. Yeah, find out what I don't know. Well, he will be joining us, I believe, episode eight. So you can ask we will about ask his skincare him. regime. Maybe he can take us through the whole regime Honestly, step by step. Yeah, like, he just he seems to keep getting younger, and I'm like. Yeah. Wait, you're the uncle? You're like turning into like friend age. This is interesting. <laughs> Maybe it's the facial hair. I don't know. Well, they return to the scene, uh, Peter and Cord, uh, to find out where the bodies went because they mysteriously disappeared in the scene. And then we get the reveal <laughs> that um, Mrs. Uh, Miss, Mr. Deaton, Dr. Deaton, and Miss Morell are actually brother and sister. Did you see that coming, or and is she evil? Because she like is she good? Is she evil? She asks him to help with Ennis, or they're going to kill Scott. <laughs> I mean, I personally didn't see them being brother and sister. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they were same group, same whatever they are. But I didn't realize they were that closely related. Mm-hmm. But once that happened, I personally don't think she's evil. I think it's one of those. She got in too deep and is grouped with the wrong, like, the wrong friends. Right. But I don't think, being that he's so lenient to her and that they do communicate, um, like, they're all, I feel like they're always having conversations. Like, they've mm-hmm. talked to each other at the clinic before. I believe they've talked to each other, like, at the school. Like, they seem to be on good terms, so I don't think she's an evil person. I yeah. think that she's kind of just digging herself a hole. 
Now, Deaton was like very powerful towards the the other alpha female collie because she kind of like lost her wolf capabilities and he was like, you're not going to kill anybody here. And we find out that the building is also made of mountain ash partially. So I don't know what that means. What's your interpretation of that? Is that like protection? Can they not turn in the building? I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, if memory serves me right, mountain ash was one of their weaknesses alongside um, mistletoe and wolf spain. So um, I think that came up when they were, like, taking the bullet or or taking something out of Derek or something along those lines a Mm -hmm. couple seasons ago. Um, That was season one. I remember that. That was... Yeah, I think the bullet. I I don't... I think that was mountain ash. I think no. I think it was wolves. That was wolfsbane. That was that was a wolfsbane bullet. Now mountain ash. The end of season two. The end of season two. And at the rave, because it creates a barrier, so they can't cross. And like when they're in the vault. It's like yeah, cryptonite for werewolves. And, um, Erica and yeah, wow. so the list of things that's bad. Yes. So maybe so they, they can't cross. So it's like he has it, you know, back where mm-hmm. he treats patients, werewolves, whatever, mm-hmm. and that's why they can't cross unless that he lets sense. them. Or, them in. I wonder sense? how this has like impacted Scott, like working there. <laughs> <laughs> Is he like getting weakened <laughs> by That's the mountain ash or strength? Oh, well, yeah, no, but he couldn't. Like, you couldn't just leave him a key. No. You know I mean? you couldn't, he couldn't just like open yeah, the place up in the morning. Yeah, like, yeah. Could you open up, Scott? No. Well, you're yeah. the you're the guy who had to build the whole thing without Nash, so you come open it up. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't think kind of difficult, you know. I just don't think it's an accident that Scott's working for Doctor Deaton, the one who has all the answers in this town. I don't know how that job came about, but how is it that Dr. Deaton's just suddenly, like, his mentor? I mean, (laughs) it's very interesting, especially because the fact that, I mean, Scott was was already an apprentice there, or intern or whatever he is, um, before he was bitten. So is this something that is he being... Can Dr. Deaton see into the future? Can Does he have a sense of these things? Does he know anything more about, like, fate or whatnot? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we'll... We have a lot more to learn from him and what he is or what he knows or how he knows what he knows. He <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a rhyme of some sorts. But anyway, <laughs> so as we poetry. predicted last week, Sarah and I thought to kill Ian, kill, since he killed his old pack, why isn't he going to kill the, strong, the stronger pack that he's formed now so that he can take their powers? And we see him perform this weird ritual grandma kissing on Ennis right before he <laughs> <laughs> right before he crushes his skull. I like with, that you like, thought that was, that, that was grandma, grandma. I was thinking more like Godfather. Like the Godfather, yeah. yeah. But I like that you saw that as Grandma. <laughs> My grandmother was Italian. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So then he crushes his skull. That was with pretty just shocking. Two fingers, like yeah. three fingers, I Good guess. Day. I know. And I guess we can assume takes his strength and his power with him. And what I want to know is, does Kali and Aiden know at this point? You know, how much do they know? We see them crying outside. Uh, you know, Dr. Deaton had said that the prognosis, the odds were pretty good, but... <laughs> I definitely don't think they know. I mean, but I, they were crying outside, so do they think that he just naturally died, or do are they starting to get the picture mm-hmm. that perhaps Deucalion is going to I come mean, after all of them? We did hear Deucalion say, like, I guess your progn- prognosis wasn't correct or whatnot, and I think that was like a warning, <laughs> like, you're not saying anything, this is you being wrong, I didn't do this. Yeah. Like, that's what I got from that line. 
And honestly, I think that Alpha Pack's too, like, steroided up, basically, to, like, understand. <laughs> to come in and analyze yeah. the situation? I don't think so. I think I'd walk in there and be like, his head just didn't explode. Yeah. Like, what happened here? Who did this? I don't know. Maybe Wolf's explosion, head Teen explosion. Wolf CSI. <laughs> Team Wolf. Yep, CSI. We had Peter and Chorus kind of doing the CSI work this uh, episode. But I want to talk about Scott's potential. Now, he happens to just run into Deucalion, who's neighbors with the Argents, we learned this season. And um, is this a coincidence? Um, because Deucalion mentions the neighbors are surprisingly nice. So is this a coincidence, do you think? Or do you think that Deucalion moved here on purpose? I mean, Deucalion's always about all of his vision. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm the visionary. Um, <laughs> so I think it's pretty obvious that he picks that building because of the Argens. I'm wondering where Grandpa Argen is at this point. That's a good he's, point. Like, is he living there, too? Because I feel like if he's living there, then they wouldn't be so friendly. Right. Um, but, so I think that that was a plan, and I definitely think that it was a, um, that DeCallum was okay with everyone knowing. Like, he wanted them to know where he is. Right. He, and I think it goes back to one of them mentioned that it was, he has no fear of them. This is all part of his plan. This is what mm-hmm. he wants, and things are going the way he wants. He said he would have to be blind, deaf, and paralyzed for Scott to be a threat. But then, if that's the truth, then why is he here for Scott? You know, why is he so obsessed with Scott? I know that he wants Scott to kill an alpha in order to become one, and he was there to talk with Scott about his potential, but I really don't think that Scott's going to have to um, kill anyone to become an alpha. I kind of see it, you know, how his eyes, like, flashed red for a second in battle? I kind of feel like uh, maybe you can become an alpha without killing someone, and, like, he was born with an inner alpha, and he's, like, the chosen one true alpha. What do you guys give us any insight? (laughs) (laughs) Can we get anything? Some bendable rules? How does one become an alpha? I I feel just have to see. I feel like like it's a matter of him just accepting his role of an alpha and, and accepting who he is. And if that happens to be an alpha, well, then we have to accept our role as an alpha in this world. <laughs> okay, if you like, if you become an alpha, though, do you, can you just become an alpha on your own, or do you need a pack? Well, you were supposed to, in order to kill. become an alpha, kill. But he's obviously not going to do that, because that's his, like, slogan, his hero, like... Slogan is, but it's gonna happen. Prediction. He'll find another he way. You do kind of want to see him go all Danny Trejo on somebody <laughs> at some point. Just <laughs> no release no. his inner. You like I'm him not, good? If someone's really he's bad, like, he's like the only superhero who won't kill. He'll like find a way around it, and I like that. Like, what other superhero do we have in superhero genre that, that doesn't kill? That, that will find another way. Ends bad. It's like when you put the villain in prison, you just know <laughs> that eventually he's getting out of prison right. mm-hmm. like and and it and in this show i mean you think people are dead and they're not so <laughs> yeah. who knows if even going to work that doesn't work in this show death isn't the end in this show <laughs> what's jeff got trying to say there <laughs> second lives third lives keep it going um so let's go ahead and jump into the bus scene now you guys were talking about the music a little bit earlier for this uh, can, can you add to you know um, I, I can't remember if there was any specific songs or was this 
I during the bus your scene. I'm not favorite sure. song in this episode. Do I get to know that now? Yeah, or? that's a good question. I really like that. I think I think they're going to be a big talent. Is um, when Scott visits Allison in the in the in her bedroom, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, don't back off. It's this but there's band. Like chemistry. Oh like yeah, flying. yeah, and it's a little you know sultry, and so it's a band called London Grammar, and London the song's Grammar. called Hey Now, and um, I know we're the first song. U.S. I don't know if we're the first people to license anywhere, but I know definitely the U.S. They're from the U.K. I think they're going to blow up, and I'm excited that we got to kind of use them first. How so. did you find? How do you find these bands? I mean, all over. You know, you're listening mm-hmm. all the time. I get sent stuff. You know, inundated, and you try to weed through it. And um, you know, now that we're in the third season, there's kind of a sound. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like slightly dark, haunting. Always kind of works. So you know, I'll keep playlists. Kind of. This is the creepy stuff. Sad, creepy stuff. Yeah. yeah. What are your playlist titles? Can you tell? There's us like that? moody, moody love because we've had a lot of moody love this season. Um, make, you know, hot makeout songs because there's Ooh. been some of that. Can you I, send also, me that playlist? <laughs> I know, right? Because there's the, um, which I, I do like as well. We use for Lydia's makeout scene. There's a band called Watch the Duck Girlfriend Ooh, that we used watch the, watch when they were the flashing duck. back. Yes. With her Which I really like that one too. So that was like, oh, okay, that's my hot makeout song, you know. And then there's fight <laughs> songs for fight moments, and then it, it just depends. Like, you know, it, it all depends what, but you'll know, just kind of listen, and I'll keep like just a regular Teen Wolf folder and kind of pull from there. And, you know, it's Do like. Do you have any bands that you find are constantly coming up that you always want to pull from? Um, I mean, we have used Mickey Echo in season one and two, mm-hmm. and maybe something else. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so his stuff always works because it's haunting, but it's like good drum beats and stuff. Um, Can I ask about the music room scene from episode four? Yeah, that too. That, yes. Yes, that was like Dino. one yeah. of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah, you should talk about that because of the, the chanting. With oh, the, you mean where Lydia the is? The Jorak chanting. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about where Lydia is... Uh, when we when we first get to her in the in the music room scene and she's kind of just found herself there. Ah, yes. And we have like the phone on the piano. Ah, yes, that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so talk how you created that. Yeah, so the the that's the um well that that chant um that that you hear or that music uh that you hear is something that you'll hear fragments of and uh larger and smaller pieces of it throughout the season and that's something that we created at the beginning of the season and we had a, uh, we did it over at um, we recorded a choir over at the uh, Capitol and uh, it was great uh, we had uh, it was um, uh, Tim Davis who does the uh, contracts uh, puts together all the vocals for uh, Glee and a lot American Idol and a lot of stuff uh, around town he helped us put together the choir for that and uh, <clears throat> And uh, so there, um, there's a lot of clues as to the story arc in the in the lyrics of the chant, uh, and which are the, in Gaelic. The chant chant is or in Gaelic. Gaelic. Actually, and the choir is chanting in Latin behind them. Oh, I thought they were in Gaelic. It no. is in Gaelic. The 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 chant is in Gaelic, and then there's a choir singing in Latin. Oh, so, so guys, the sung you, stuff I didn't know is you Latin. Did that. Yeah. If you want more info, 
Yes. You better know Gaelic and Latin. Put it together. Study. There Actually, we. I don't think there is a Google Translate for Gaelic because I remember when we were putting it together. No, you trying to figure it out. Yeah. We had to actually find a Gaelic speaker to translate for us. I know Gaelic speaker. We're good. Really? We're going to discover this? I was trying to help because I know some folks in Ireland who were like, okay, but it didn't because I was like, well, maybe something exists that, you know, might like, but then Jeff wanted it. As another layer, Jeff wanted it to say something specific, so yeah. he hired the. Yeah, but it was really cool. I went and visited. Yep. Yeah, I've, that was a lot of fun. I've got a source. We're gonna we're gonna. Fix. Okay. How long? How long did that take? Challenge accepted. Um, I think we did that in a. It's about a week, top to bottom. I think. And the recording was like. No. Well, the recording was like a. I mean, I don't know. We did. There's like three hours, but then we. I think from the time, there was like a week and a half from the time they told me I was in. Um, I was actually in South Africa uh, for my wedding, and congratulations! Yeah, congrats. thank you. And in South Africa, wow, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, His wife is South African. Yes, so. you just keep getting cooler. Yeah, I, she's a big part of any coolness that I have. Aww. Uh, good answer. You got a lot uh, of points on that one. She's like, that's right. You might have to send him that makeout playlist. <laughs> <laughs> do you, yeah, do right? you, like, I actually, I don't know if you, I've never asked you this, but do you, yeah. like, when you have to do, like, a, like, if you have people over to your house, do you obsess over the playlist? Yeah, Because I course. do. Yeah, I, <laughs> but I really well, do. Well, when I go, but when I go to other people's, I have to, it's like, you know, it'll, I feel it inside, but I, like, can't say, like, what are you playing? Why? <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, I, I know what I'd play, but I have to, like, unprogram it. But at my own house, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'll have, I'm having people over for the fourth, and I'm already like, that would be a good pool song. That one would be good, you know. <laughs> the soundtrack is planned. Yeah, I'm like, I need some Team America, you know. <laughs> uh, see, I really wish that there was a Lara Webb Pandora station. Right, yeah. Be, I know. guess I could go uh, Teen Wolf. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this. Wolf. It's always exciting. Wolf. <laughs> We're going to practice this. I'm practicing. Okay, I should get into this right now. I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Called my mom today, asked her how, how you say the animal wolf, and she said wolf, and I said, now what sound does a wolf make? And she said wolf. So that is why I do not pronounce teen wolf pronou- uh, correctly. And uh, thanks, mom. <laughs> Because now that's why I like get beat up on Twitter and YouTube because Aww. I say wolf. Aww. There's a lot of people. You're There's not the lot. only one. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I, I, I never really thought about it until working on the show. But then mm-hmm. whenever people say it, you're like, wait, hang on. What? Okay. Hang on. I, I, I sometimes just call it Teen Wolf as a just because it feels good to say it, it that way. It does feel good <laughs> that way. Like wolf, like lots of energy. <laughs> But Why wolf, not? I have to like. I get, have to get deep for. I have to go right. wolf. That's because yeah. you have to wolf. think I'm about like, it. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough about <laughs> wolfing. Um, I'm gonna practice. Sorry, guys. Uh, but talking about Twitter and AfterBuzz, don't forget you guys can support AfterBuzz by going to iTunes or YouTube, downloading, rate, comment on our show. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, you can call our fan line at 424-256-1729. You can join the live chat at AfterBuzzTV.com. And I want to read some of our comments that iTunes and YouTube listeners left last week. Um, Baru Raven says, Jessica and Alyssa are so nice and funny. It was awesome to meet them. And the Shorty22 actually quoted Alyssa and said, I don't think it's her job to answer her crush. 
talking about uh, Lydia answering Styles' crush, and he said, yes, every nice guy out there who claims to be a victim of friend zoning needs to understand this. Oh, right. It's that it's not Lydia's job to, like, right. any girl, it's not your job to answer someone's crush, so... Right. Thank you for Alyssa and Shorty requoting you. Um, Maven <laughs> Cree says, the next guess you have for this, ask them how the twins merge their pants. Wouldn't it just... <laughs> <laughs> Something I haven't thought about. <laughs> they said, wouldn't it just be easier if they took them off? I'm pretty sure no one would mind. So can well, you we guys... are a PG-rated show, <laughs> so that's probably why we can't. <laughs> I haven't thought about that. That's a really good point. How do they merge their how pants? How do they merge their pants? Magic? Maven Cree yeah. wants to know, and he know. wanted me to ask, ask you guys. Wow, I don't know. I feel like we have to ask Jeff, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with they only pants use one merging. twin's pants. So it's really where, yeah, so, but when they unmerge, they do. Where are the yeah. other pants? Spectacular pair of pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's special pants. You know? Yeah. They're like the Magic Mike kind of, kind of like, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's like the Incredibles out. version, but, but like, you know, the <laughs> like in the clothes, like a dab. <laughs> yeah, it all adapts and merges together. I, yeah. Not yeah. Yet. But good question, maybe. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for about. helping us think about that question. That's good. Now, well, I'm going to be thinking about that a lot now. <laughs> the merging Every of pants. It's bother me. Yeah. How do you merge pants? I know. Um, more Aaron says, thanks for reading my comment. And you're welcome, Aaron. And everyone, re- send us the comments, emails, and we'll read them. And we want to thank Happy Puppy, Nerdy Success, James Taylor, <laughs> Peter, uh, Wolfswin, Ash, and Haywood. Bloom, Mr. Awax, I don't know what that means, and David. Was I don't know what that means. That is a screen name. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you didn't know what Awolf meant. No, <laughs> I got I'm that. Go with Alpha Wolf yeah, or probably. something. Maybe. And our so we got an email from Ashley Kays, and she was wondering what you thought about the scene where it looked like Scott was mad about Aiden trying to go to Lydia's house to study. I feel like something could be happening between them. I really hope it does soon. Well, we got that it happened in this episode, but now how does Scott feel about it? He's obviously not going to be happy. I mean, when I first saw, like, Scott kind of reacting to Lydia, the emotion I was reading off of it was that he kind of had a crush on her, and I was like, mm. hmm, that's weird. But mm. this time, like, looking back, I'm thinking, well, maybe he just wants to... He already tried to protect her from danger. Right. Now she's going right into another dangerous situation that she doesn't need to be in. So I'm thinking maybe it's just, like, a friend thing and him trying to be a protector of the world and being like... Please, stay in your room and be safe. <laughs> Not with Aiden, in your room with you. Because we don't know what's his pants. <laughs> I don't know. What's up with those pants, yeah. man? Yeah. Until we figure that out, don't hang out with him. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll get him back to the bus scene. Okay, now, now Boyd and Isaac, they're like ticking time bombs, wanting revenge on the bus because they don't know if Derek's alive or dead. We don't know. And um, Scott decides not to stop them, but lead them with the advice that Dr. Deaton gives. And I feel like that's one step closer for him becoming the true alpha that's just naturally in him and accepting who he is. And uh, we got that awesome text battle between Styles oh, and Danny and and <laughs> everyone has experienced this and that's why it's so funny cuz you get that friend who just won't stop texting you until you finally respond so that was really funny they really accomplished the awkwardness in this scene i felt like that was really <laughs> reached where you're just like yep okay <laughs> that's why my phone's, phone's going off, like, always on silent and i don't know what to do <laughs> no but um i thought it was really funny and then like good 
bit of comic relief, and it felt like real awkwardness to me. So mm-hmm. I, I liked it. Um, it made me want to hit Styles in the face a little bit. Just, and Aww. I love him, but I was like, yeah. Styles, come on. <laughs> Styles apparently has a smile that'll make you puke. <laughs> Didn't you just love that smile? It was like the craziest, funniest smile. Yep, only Styles. Styles will go to any. Obviously, the testament of this best was Styles will go to Styles will go to any lengths to achieve his goals. <laughs> he will just keep pushing those buttons. But um, we love him. I like how whenever Scott's finally healed, which we'll talk about the sewing, the sewing scene in a bit, but when he is healed and he comes back and he sees Isaac actually beating on um, Ethan, do you think that Isaac was beating on him because he's still upset about not knowing if Derek is alive, or do you think that he was getting revenge because Scott's Scott might not be healing? Was that his love for Scott or his love for Derek creeping in there? I think it was, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that when you're so angry that you're forced to fight someone it's not always just one reason I think that it's all these things that are going on plus like he got his ass whooped the other day too there has to be some <laughs> there has to be some anger on his own from, well, don't his forget own Isaac is the guy whose dad used to lock him in a freezer so he's, right. he's got some rage issues some pent up definitely. yeah and we, we always talk about poor Isaac because he oh, always no. he is so tortured weird. more than anybody else but Derek yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we kind of expect him to just take it because he's like the leader, you know? He he kind of did this to all of them by biting them all, so he can get a right, little right. bit more tortured. True. Plus, he does he's, he's getting pretty beat up, you know? He is. But he, always, like, I, he always feels very put upon to me. <laughs> you know, like he's just kind of carrying all of this. Yeah. Isaac is, to me, always feels more tortured. <laughs> all right, all right. That's a good point. I would agree with you. I'm I'm on that same wavelength. But um, Allison's telling Scott that all this isn't his fault. But I'm going to say that if he doesn't own up to his abilities, that future events can be blamed on Scott, I think, if he doesn't start owning up to his abilities, which he did this episode. So hopefully he continues to own his inner alpha. What do you think? Do you think that, do you guys all think that if it was kind of his fault, though? Because I was a little confused why he started fighting again after the arrows were shot. Like, mm-hmm. they kind of showed, like, they had almost a little bit of a break where maybe they could have run away, and it was Scott who took that first initial punch after the distraction. It's a good point. Like, is that, like, and he rehashing was, the battle? Mm-hmm. Kind of his fault. And he did take that last, like, claw at Ennis, which knocked him off his balance and also took it's Derek right, with him. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Blame, percentage, anything? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I think that, like I said, if he doesn't own up to who, the leader he's supposed to be, like whenever he right. called out to Isaac, Isaac was like in the zone of like fury, and, and he was just raging in that moment. But it was like Scott's voice was calming to him, and was like the only thing that that stopped him at that point. So if Scott continues to lead them then I think that they'll all be okay and we won't be blaming Scott for future events. But who do you think the Dark Druid is? Um, Styles and Lydia are brainstorming about the sacrifices and predicting that it's a pre-war ritual, which I hope to see the demon with, like, ten heads in action. The <laughs> demon wolf? Like, I want him to have, like, ten heads. I'm still so excited <laughs> for that shift. I'm, like, I've been waiting 
for the demon wolf to appear in like full <laughs> demon wolf form. I'm just waiting for it to happen. And I think that I'm starting to get the feeling that's not going to happen until we meet the this evil druid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that maybe we're just going to get this all in one. Whether this is if we have to wait all the way to the season finale, though, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, uh. Hopefully get it by episode 12, because I know there's a break coming up. But um, So then we find out Derek is alive and in Miss Blake's care, which we will assume for now is a good thing. And I just want to talk about, uh, before we get into the interviews with you guys, I want to talk about Allison's heroism for a moment. Uh, she's kind of like the warrior now and the protector of the realm that is vegan hills. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I liked her journey. You know, she was a regular, like, high school girl when we met her, and then she had a lot of traumatic events that helped us understand this cause of change in her, which is now, you know, contributes to her badassery. <laughs> but, but that thing makes you yeah. badass. Sure. Uh-huh. Equation. <laughs> Mathematics. Simple. Um, I agree. I think she has been on this journey for a little bit when she was kind of going through her, like, depressing, like, I don't want to own up to the fact that I'm going to help them. Like, when she was kind of... Mm -hmm. I felt like she was kind of hiding in the shadows. Um, I was a little disappointed in that. Like, I understood she wanted to do her own thing, but I thought that she could still go out on the limb, and if she's going to act as their friend, then just be upfront about it. Um, So I like that it was brought forth, what she's doing, and how there was that (laughs) moment of recognition as she's standing, firing arrows again to save them again mm-hmm. and they do get that moment of eye contact and but we also found out that the eye contact she got was she saw Scott flash to like being an alpha and I think that's part of the reasoning why she says that now she's not going to keep her eyes off of him yeah. and is that I'm wondering if that's out of fear as well as compassion because obviously she did a lot for him today or in the episode um, which I, happened today yeah, but I also <laughs> don't All these think events. that He's completely healed. I yeah. think that was just like. Well, it's nice that we got that whole band aid. Mental, that it's a mental thing for him. I think that will definitely resurface in the future. But can we? Can you talk about you know the superhero music that you've composed for Allison? Because especially during that battle soon scene, it was like we were supposed to know that like she is the one saving the day. So yeah, that, that was yeah, that was very deliberate. We talked mm-hmm. about that. We wanted that to. We wanted her to come in with a cape on and <laughs> save everybody. Uh, yeah, that was. Um, um, well, I mean, you see that shot when we come in and see Allison. It's very dramatic. We're looking up at her with her arrows and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there, I mean, there's certain kind of sort of, there are certain things you go to, certain instruments, uh, uh, and certain, uh, sort of musical cues that you go to when you kind of want to indicate heroism generally, but it's what always... What are those what instruments? Are those yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to know. I want hero music, so I need to know what I need. Uh, you're going to need a French horn. Okay. Okay, uh, I, can, I can find one of those. Uh, <laughs> you are going to... I mean, generally, it, it kind of... There's, there's a whole... There's actually... There's a lot of... There's a whole field of study about the sort of the... Uh, the... the the elements of music. Uh, it's actually the stu- it's actually the study of. I'm trying to think of what suspense music. Or, no, or? I was actually going to say it's the it's the study of uh, how music affects the brain. Oh, oh. Uh, and I, I forget what the the actual name of the field is, but there's uh, from there's actually texts relating back to you know Greek musicians that 
you know, in the, the dawn of history where... Druid music. Uh, not... You know what? Actually, now this is really interesting. Druids kept no written records, and actually when we... Wait, don't they say that in the... Mm-hmm. Don't Did they, they say I think that? they say, they don't they bring that it. up? Yeah, yeah. they not big like podcasters or bloggers. Uh, <laughs> Shame on them. And not tweeting, um. not tweeting at all. They, they're like Facebook lurkers, maybe. Oh, man, hate that. But they, when we actually researched, tried to research the Druid music, we actually talked to uh, a couple of people at UCLA, and they all told us the same thing. Uh, a couple of the professors there they uh, in the ethnomusicology department, they said, well, you can kind of do whatever you want because nobody really knows what they did. Like we can kind of guess. So you There's can a say few written you're 100% records. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as far as I know, that was incredibly authentic like, druid music. That was yeah. a recreation <laughs> yeah. of what they did. That was in. That could have been a top ten druid hit. Easy. No problem. Yeah. So, but okay, I learned. One, that we have actual druid music because no one actually knows druid music. <laughs> yeah. Two, I need to invest in a French horn. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I can do that. Sure. Hero soundtrack. Great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, I want to go ahead and roll right into the interview with Lara and Dino. So I'm always interested in how aspects of our childhood lead us into certain specific careers. So what do you guys attribute <coughs> from your childhood sort of steering you in the direction of music? Um. I feel like this is like I feel like I should be on a couch. Um, we have traumatic. <laughs> you can <laughs> lay down and talk to events. us if you want to. Um, I think when I was a kid, um, I used to I used to really um, I used to really react strongly uh, to music. And um, my mom told me that this is I, I probably shouldn't be saying this. My, my mom told me that every time. The, when I was a really little kid, the HBO, the theme song used to come on, the old, yeah. like, oh, yeah. where they do the fly-through on the HBO thing, oh, yeah. that I would dance <laughs> as a kid. I would just... Do, do you remember dance? the dance yeah. by I know. chance? I don't. I, oh, okay, don't, I, I, I know. I, I know. It, was, it was actually uh, an, an authentic druid dance that oh. I used to do. Oh. Yeah. I would like to see that. Why now? Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I, when I was a kid, I got involved in music, and I played in bands, and, and uh, I think I was always kind of really fascinated with the um, sort of the power that music has to contextualize something. If you put a different piece of music under something, uh, just even under somebody speaking or reading something, it completely changes the meaning of it. Um, and I think I've always enjoyed that um, that interplay between, you know, uh, contextualizing things. So that was, uh, um, I've, I've always kind of had an interest in doing that um, and it was really, uh, it was about in two, when did I meet you? In 2007? Yeah, is that when we worked on? We, we, we worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Eight, yeah. 2008, 2007. 2008, yeah. You guys could like really mess with someone, but like we should just one day put really happy music. <laughs> oh, we do that as jokes sometimes. <laughs> we'll attempt funny things in and be like, I mean, you have, you know, have to make sure they have a sense of humor, but you might put like, well, Russell, who's one of our directors and co-EP, or he is an executive producer on the show, he is a legendary music video director. Like, he's mm. directed all the iconic ones of the 80s, including Queen. And I think it was, like, season one, like, as a joke, we put in, like, you know, Champion or We Were Rocky or something. <laughs> no, and he walked in and he's like, what? <laughs> so, I mean, we, you know, You're you like, do sometimes. It's uplifting. It's like I nerd humor, but, you know, we're like, ha, huh, you know. <laughs> no, I like it. I, will, I think I'm one day I might just play with Teen Wolf and be like, okay, and if I put 
really cheering me, Xander, this point. <laughs> Don't let her <laughs> in the composing <laughs> studio. <laughs> She's going to mess up the show. You, you know what? If you saw if you saw what goes on in a composing studio, you wouldn't want to be in it. Can you tell us what goes on? It's it's people staring at computer screens and swearing most of the time. And you don't sleep. He doesn't. I don't think you ever sleep. Or at least when we're yeah, when right? we're working, no, nobody sleeps a lot. Yeah, they said we wouldn't be able to get you out of the cave to come in here. I, I live very close. Actually, my dog almost. I, I come here sometimes. My dog actually almost got eaten at this at the dog park just down the street here. Oh no! Because but of the wolves. Because of yeah. the wolves. Yes, she is not a teen wolf. She's a little cream puff. Oh, so well, what oh, from yeah, your childhood like a, has contributed well, yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's, well, it's kind of both. Like, I've always loved film, and I always, rem- you know, I memorize films and, like, would watch them ad nauseum, like Top Gun. I can probably recite every line. <laughs> and I love, like, you know, and also, I think when I, we went to, when the movie opened, I got Danger Zone on, like, a 45, <laughs> and I would put it on every morning that I wore it out. But that song was just so awesome, you know? <laughs> or I thought so. I think it is. Actually, I still think I'm it's I'm just really imagining awesome. you amping yourself up yeah, to school exactly. every morning. It's, it's actually zone. really good. And I found it, because I went through, like, my parents' old stuff, and I was really sad it didn't work. But I kind of, like, kind of need to do that that's again. how you wake up. You're just happy. Yeah, again. yeah. But was so, it Danger Zone? Oh yeah. Okay. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. But I need to. I, I need don't to play do it. Want to sing it. Uh, yeah, Stephen, no. can we get some Danger Zone? <laughs> I know. It's an awesome song. So I just think like the two together were always like all my favorite movies were always ones that use music so prominently. Mm-hmm. And then I was always making mixtapes for friends, and people were always requesting it. And I was always going to shows, and always kind of like it was a hobby. But then, and it was sort of, I didn't realize that you could marry the two and it was a job. And as soon as I found out it was a job, I was like, get me into this now. Like I researched and it was at a time where it's not now, you know, in the past seven years, probably it's become more, people are more aware that it is a profession. But I started about 10 years ago and I had to like kind of figure out like, who does it? How do you do it? You know? And then once I was unrelentless and like, or, relentless anyway in finding out like everything I could about it and then I ended up um, being an assistant for an established music supervisor who did a bunch of films who did she was bought Baz Luhrmann and Danny Boyles who are like two of my favorite directors who use music so well so when I I think I like just probably geeked out in the interview like oh my god you've done all the soundtracks I've ever bought you know (laughs) and it was just like the best day like the first day on the job I was like this is the best job ever so did you know them or like how did you get the how did I well I had started my first job in the entertainment industry was I actually was an agent trainee Mm because everyone says you know that's and I had done like um, internships and stuff and in different facets of the industry and I thought maybe I'll be an agent because it's kind of like a good master's program is what a lot of people say. So, you know, you're meeting everybody and seeing what different jobs are. So I had built up and I'd done that for several years and was tortured and, you know, (laughs) cried a lot. People scream at you because you're coffee, you know, whatever. (laughs) So I um, had worked for one woman for a long time and she's like, do you want to do this? And I was kind of like, well, I don't know. And she's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I've been researching this music supervision thing. And and she's like, okay. And I said, well, and I saw that there's an opening for one. And she actually ended up knowing um, the woman I went to go work for with her name is Laura Wasserman. And um, my my other boss in the agency world was like, actually, I know her. Let's make a call, which helped. You know, I still Mm -hmm. had to, like, interview and, 
you know, all of that make, I had to make a mixtape for my interview. That is awesome. So hopefully that led to it. I'm going to hope. I don't know. And then, you know, so I worked with her for several years and she retired. And then I'm kind of been building up my my credits and my resume. So I kind of want to buy your mixtapes. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Because I like, it's I do hard for, like, to find the mixes. Love, you know, like, it's, but. And it's like personal, and you know, like for each person. Laura's a really big music fan. Yeah, which is I think when, that's it's hard. To, it's to hard to keep that when you when you do this for a living and you, you listen to as much music as Laura does. But she's like a you're a really big fan. Yeah, well, and it's just it's fun because it's like this awesome band, and then I have a platform for people to listen to and hear. Like I think this is cool, you know. So it's kind of an awesome job. So. I feel like everyone has a super sense, and I feel like you guys might be hearing, you know. Because I feel like chefs may be tasting. You guys got the ears. Yeah, the golden got ears. Those ears. I, yeah. I guess. I want to know, okay, I love listening to soundtracks, actually. So I want to know, like, top five soundtracks or, like, top directors that I need to, like, put in my playlist. Oh, in your... Now, do you mean soundtracks, like, you mean, like, Film, scores? Or do you mean, like, soundtracks like with... Okay. I think you Rock should go brain. first. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know what, like, how I even, train spotting for me is, like, why I even mm. do what I do. Like, mm. that was just head to toe tops, just amazing. Train spotting. Yeah. Okay. And it still holds up. I mean, it's still, like, one of my favorite movies. And I just think the way he put it, like, Danny and, and actually my old boss, Laura, um, put it on me. It just, it just worked awesome. So, um, I really liked Moulin Rouge. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, or it's just the fantastic and it's amazing. Um. Almost Famous is really great. I mean, some of my favorite movies right I know, now. yeah. Um, let's see. I have a couple others. I really liked Great Expectations. Um, I really liked 500 Days of Summer, by the oh, way. thanks. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that I can't say that one. <laughs> like, I can't. We can. We'll yeah, say it okay. for you. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Day. Let's see. Um, I really liked recently when I went, I don't know if it's favorite, but just like recent, um, Danny Boyle did a new movie called Trance, and James McAvoy was I in it. That, yeah. And it's Rick Smith from Underworld, Underworld, who did that iconic song in Train Spotting called Born Slippy. So, um, and I really like. It's mostly score. There's a couple of songs, but um, that one sort of impressed me recently. Like where oh. I was like watching and going, like, yeah, I like this. So, I'm sure there's others. I just can't think right now. No, <laughs> like, I have my like you. classics. No, thank you. I love to find new stuff. So, yeah. um, well, those are old, but whatever. That's <laughs> new to me. Those so. are good ones. Yeah. How do you even become a composer? That's what I like. I, I read your bio and everything, and I'm just like, I still can't imagine. Yeah, my, my bio is not. That's not a good way to do it at all. <laughs> I was, <laughs> like, if someone wants to com- become a composer, I would not recommend going on tour with rock bands. It's not. Although, but a lot do now. Well, yeah, there's a actually, lot that yeah, actually. Now there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of different ways. A lot of people go to music school, and uh, there's a, I went to USC. Um, Me too. Right Me too. Hey, all hey. right. <laughs> I went to Ithaca. <laughs> it's okay. At least I wasn't a rival. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, a lot of people go to music school, and then um, they'll go through. USC has a great film scoring program, and then a lot of times, what most people will do is they'll. Uh, work as an assistant for an established composer, uh, and then you know eventually they'll maybe do some additional music. You know the composer gets really busy and they need some extra cues or whatever, and they'll so you start building up your resume that way. That wasn't how I did it. I was um, 
I didn't actually really know that I wanted to do this until much later uh, in life. Um, so I had been, uh, I went to music school and I, um, I was playing in R&B bands and I was playing in rock bands. And uh, um, what happened was, is I was home for a period of time and uh, a friend of mine had, had, was starting a music library uh, where you have sort of pre-licensed music and it, you know, you use it on mostly reality shows, game shows, that kind of thing. And, and so um, that was the first uh, scoring to picture that I had done. And then I started doing advertisements and things. And um, I met some people uh, through that at MTV, and that was how I ended up working on Taking the Stage. That was how I met Laura. And then when Teen Wolf came up, um, then we talked about it. And uh, eventually um, uh, I sent in a reel of things I'd done. And uh, I ended up talking to – well, I talked to you about it. And then I ended up talking to Jeff Davis, uh, the executive producer. I'm not That's sure awesome. if in general you have, like, a way that you like to compose. But does normally the music come to you as, like, a whole? Or do you start with, like, a bass line or a single instrument and build off of that? Like, how do you normally, like, envision, like, what you're going to write? Um, that's a really good question. Um, it, it sort of depends on the scene. Uh, for me, uh, if it's, um, if it, it depends if it's something that's, uh, like if it's a big action scene, um, a lot of times it's going to be very percussion based. And so, um, percussion is really important to me. So that's one of the things that I'll, I'll focus on. Actually, even if I haven't written any, uh, melodic parts of it, I'll sometimes just do all the percussion first. Um, build around it. Or- yeah, I try to create a structure so that I know that I'm hitting all the points that I want to hit in action or in comedy um, where you uh, sort of start and stop and where you put the hits in is very important because you're emphasizing a lot of things. If you're usually under dialogue, it's you know you, it's just sort of sitting in a bed underneath it so you can listen to people talking. But when there's action or when there's horror um, or when there's comedy, you know those three things are very... Um, they can be very dense. So um, with action, I'll you know usually lay out a, sort of a, a structure with percussion first and then sort of fill it around it um, with, um, with something that's more romantic or melodic. Um, I'll usually start with uh, on a piano and, and, and kind of work a melody into it and then sort of develop that melody. That's crazy. That's just so amazing to me. Like, mm-hmm. I've always just found it fascinating, like, how people make music. I'm just like, I, I played the flute. It was a single note instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I played like, the drums. Yeah, and I was, like, nice. I was just like, how people put it all in their heads, all these different sounds, and can imagine it is fascinating and wonderful. And it's just really Good job, guys. Cool. So much talent. I, mean, I don't create any. Like, uh, so I'm. But you have same the ears thing. for it. Yeah, I just listen. I'm, but I'm the critical. Like, change that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they hate me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people working under you guys, and especially under you, Dino. And I just envision you as like a maestro, like telling all these different like assistants at computers, like cue the trumpets, cue the <laughs> like. Do you have it, a lot of people underneath you? Like, uh, I, I have a few, you uh, and and sometimes there there's uh, I have an assistant that works with me a lot, and then mm-hmm. there's other people that we bring in uh, depending on how busy we are. You know, if, if something's really, you know, if we're really jammed up schedule wise, um, yeah. I tr- uh, we don't actually. <laughs> I don't usually end up conducting them at their computer screens. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't it's, happen. It's a lot though. more. That yeah. would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't see why not. That's what I envision. <laughs> 
All right, like doing guys. That. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to go ahead and roll into predictions. Uh, that was awesome info and behind the scenes information that our fans are just so happy to get every week. They were begging for you guys to come in because they really enjoyed the composition soundtrack. So thank you again for being here. Great. Thanks for having us. Um, So talking about the predictions, um, it looks like next week there's a creepy motel to look forward to and Mrs. Blake and Derek's first date. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Blake. All I'm predicting is horror music, so maybe I'm not, who knows, but because um, I saw a motel. You had a lot of music in there. I, t- yeah. I, I, I saw a motel, a chainsaw, and like a fridge or a fridge slash coffin thing. And I was like, so I'm going to be officially creeped out. No. Great. Nightmares next week. That's it, what I'm predicting. It looks like Boyd's going to be, the exorcism of Boyd will happen as he's rising from the tub. That's what I saw. Um, and Isaac... I thought he was getting trapped. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> did did yeah. you think he was getting up? I thought, I thought he was, he was getting shut up. down. I don't know. I thought they were, like, ex- he was, like, all crazy-eyed. Oh, in the bathtub. In the bathtub. Gotcha. That looked like Isaac in the coffin that was about yes. the chainsaw coming down. Or the, whatever, like... Not the, the twins. It looked like they were going to like split like a magic trick. I got to start watching the next ons. Kind of like their really pants. Good. Kind of yeah. like their pants. Yeah, splitting the pants. But the cop. I don't know. I'll never look at those pants again. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to be like, there's an endorsement deal in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I want to know who's the end battle? Like, is Deucalion separate from the Druid? What do you think? Is, is the Druid the real villain this season? I mean, I think that's going to be such a fun question to see the show answer because that's what I've been wondering. It's like we have all these huge forces, and I'm like, I can't really picture Scott at this point being an ally of either of them. So it's going to be like this three-section battle. That never works. Someone always becomes an ally because they always kind of figure out that someone's Someone's going to switch sides. Yeah, it's like... Is that gonna happen, or maybe is Scott finally gonna get his way and be like, "I'm not killing anyone. You guys fight." I think he'll fight. I don't think he'll kill. He can orchestrate, like Dino. (laughs) (laughs) You, the alphas. That sounds much more sinister than Scott. I think. (laughs) Don't just stand in the corner. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining this week. A few quick shout-outs to our Twitter followers, Simone and N. Williams and Stephen B. I'll read your comments next week. And Adrian, thank you guys so much. You can follow me at Cinematic Escape on Twitter, or you can check out my blog. Just Bing. Cinematic Escape. And you can find me here on Sundays for True Blood and on Tuesdays for Teen Wolf. So, And where can we find you guys? Um, on Twitter, I'm Lala Webb with two Bs. Uh, and I'm DM underscore LA. And do you guys have any websites you want them to check out? Any blogs? Any mixtapes we can buy? <laughs> composing we can buy. Do you guys like you guys we're gotta make on one ultimate yeah, we're, we're, CG we're together. We're working on it. Is that I like know. a future project, you guys? No, yeah. I mean it's something we've been talking about with the network. So mm-hmm. hopefully something Great. comes to fruition. Awesome. Thank you guys and we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Here we go. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. 
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.